Hi, I'm Ryan Guth. Each week, I'll be sitting down with inspirational men and women whose energy makes our city a more interesting place to live. So whether you're new to Albuquerque, just visiting, or have lived here your whole life, ABQCast is my way of sharing these conversations with you. Now let's get to it. Hey there, Albuquerque. This is Ryan Guth with ABQCast. My guest today is a graduate of Highland High School. He started his photography journey with a Pentax Spotmatic camera and struck up a darkroom in his garage. He was a pre-dental major before transferring out to become a photography major at the Photography Institute of America in Atlanta, Georgia. He then opened his own studio in Knob Hill here in Albuquerque in 1976. He has photographed every president since Bill Clinton, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Jay Leno, Sir Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, every governor we've had recently, and, and so forth. And the list just goes on and on. So it is, it is my pleasure to introduce you, Albuquerque, to Kim Ju. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate that. And so, Kim, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to be here today because of the fact that um, I just see, feel like I see your name everywhere. Every picture I see, every photo I see in Albuquerque, I see your name on the lower right-hand corner. Why, why is that? Well, we've been in business for 44 years, and so, uh, yeah, we're photographing the kids of the kids of the kids. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, people just know that if they want a good picture of themselves, they come to see us. Yeah. So what makes your style different? What makes you, because you do have a really unique style. When I, I, I think I can pick out a Kim Ju when I see one. So w- w- what is that? What is that style? I think a lot of it has to do with the lighting, uh, first and foremost. Uh, but uh, we also emphasize uh, the, the ease of poses. And so they're looking natural, of course. And uh Obviously, the expression is important too, um, but uh, it's it's just not one thing. It's I guess it's the balance of the composition and uh, scale, and uh, the other reason why I think we're so popular is that uh, we kind of uh, specialize in families. Uh, we can accommodate large families in our studio, and um, the one thing uh, people love more than anything is their families. Uh, and, uh, I think the other important aspect is that we feel like pets are part of the family too. And that, uh, we love to photograph, uh, the whole group, uh, with their pets, because I have a theory, uh, that dog spelled backwards is God and that God sent dogs here to give us his unconditional love. And I, I, actually really believe that <laughs> so you you are clearly a dog lover then oh yes did you did I, you own dogs growing up we did i did i had two german shepherds growing up uh but uh, we live in the east mountains and uh we've lost four pets so uh, we quit having pets up in the mountains oh uh, <laughs> yeah. you lost four pets to the things that creep who, in the mountains who knows critters yeah i think we had a hawk take one of them possibly oh my goodness uh and I'd never seen a weasel before in, up in our, our area, but the day that we lost our dog, our cat, uh, we saw a weasel in the neighborhood. Yeah. So let's let's go back for a moment to 
your childhood. You grew up here in Albuquerque? I did. Okay. So were you born in, in, in Albuquerque? Yes, uh, but my father uh, came to this country by himself uh, when he was 15. He was uh, sold to his uh, adopted mother for a gold coin, and uh, his adopted mother decided that uh, he didn't really have a future in China, so she sent him uh, to America by himself. He had $5 in his pockets, and uh, he... uh, Actually, he had a distant uncle that lived in Amarillo, and this stranger in San Francisco, when he landed uh, on the boat uh, uh, in a barber shop in Chinatown, San Francisco, uh, he befriended this person that was kind enough to drive him to Amarillo, Texas, where my uh, uncle was, I mean his uncle, and... Uh, my uncle had a Chinese restaurant that could make everything, and my father started out working in the kitchen, washing dishes and eventually learning how to cook and uh, make desserts and all kinds of things. What an incredible story. Yeah. My, in fact, uh, my father, uh, he didn't speak any English, obviously, and uh, he learned English by joining the Army. And he said that was the best time of his life. It's where he learned English. No way. Is now is he still with us? No, my father passed away um, at the at the age of seventy three. Yeah. Okay. What an incredible story, though. That's that's amazing. That's yeah, he amazing. came by himself. Yeah. I, I, that had to be so terrifying in so many ways to come to this brand new country and and being as expansive and diverse as America is as far as its landscape. I mean, I can't imagine coming here and trying to navigate my way around. You know, especially. What what year was that? Oh gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I really couldn't tell you. Yeah, to be honest, it was in the forties. Well, there was no GPS. We all know that, right? So <laughs> right, right. No kidding. That's that's incredible. So he eventually found his way to Albuquerque, and he came to Albuquerque to go to UNM because he got the GI Bill, which was great. Okay, uh, and uh, he actually attended a graduation party. For uh, my uncle, who was graduating uh, from high school, and um, my mother happened to be at the party, and right away he knew that's the woman he wanted to marry. And sure enough. <laughs> wow, there you go. Yeah. And then a few years later, here comes Kim. You got it. Were you the fir- are you the first? I am the first. And of how three. many? Of three. three. Okay. Okay. Are they, are they in the artistic well, world? Well, my at all? brother Paul. Uh, was uh, also uh, in the business. I, I recruited him. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he's got his MBA uh, from the U- University of California at Irvine. Okay. And uh, he, got, he was working for Ronald Reagan's polling company at the time, and uh, he got kind of burnt out on the commutes, uh, tired of spending all his time in the car. And so uh, I coaxed him into coming out here uh, and uh, helping with the business. Gotcha. Okay. And and you're, you said you have a sister too? Uh, no, I don't have a sister. I, my other brother, oh, two brothers. Stan, okay. uh, worked at the base. Uh, he worked in, in uh, the security area, and uh, that's where he has been. He's retired from there since, yeah. Sure. Well, t- tell us about your, your family. Well, my mother had... Uh, 
nine uh, children in her family. So my grandparents, they grew up in the Borales area, Albuquerque, kind of the barrio. The first thing my grandmother did was uh, she sold all her uh, trousseau, her her jewelry, uh, to start a grocery store on uh, uh, the downtown area. And um, my grandfather, he started working for restaurants as well. My grandfather's father uh, was killed in the railroad explosion in Colorado when they were building the railroad. So, you know, you hear about the stereotypes of the Chinese uh, working on the railroad. Well, I'm part of that stereotype, and it's the same with the Chinese restaurants. Uh, that's the only business they knew, and that's what they grew up in. But my grandmother and grandfather, uh, you know, they, it was not easy because they had nine children, and um, so they understand uh, the importance of thrift. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, but my grandmother and grandfather really expected the boys, the old two older boys in the family, to uh, go to college, and that's what they were engineers. And um, the rest of the the girls in the family, uh, they also um, worked in uh, different areas. My aunt. Uh, Tain in San Francisco has uh, the walk shop in San Francisco, which is uh, her son uh, was helped develop the uh, the website for Wells Fargo back then. No way. And uh, but he helped her set up a website, and she sells walks for all over the world: Germany, France, England, you name it. Uh, because her name really is one of the first ones that comes up when you type in walk. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I know even Germany even sold walks. I wouldn't Well, that's why they buy it from her. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. No way. Okay. So now your immediate family, I know you you were telling me before the interview that uh, you and your son just did Justin. a conference in, in Denver. Uh, well, it was in uh, the Rich Carlton in uh, Avon, Colorado. Which oh, Avon, is, okay. Yeah, Avon, which is uh, about... 60 miles away from Denver. Okay. Okay. And so your son is a photographer as well? Right. Okay. So how did that, did you, I mean, did you twist his arm into becoming a photographer or how, he, how did that happen? He had a natural affinity uh, for photography. I mean, he's, I, I'm guessing he started when he was maybe 12, maybe even younger, but, uh, you know, I gave him a camera and uh, he just took it like to it like a duck out of water and, uh, he won all kinds of little awards and uh, photography competitions. Uh, he was just a natural. It was he may a, have had some inspiration. Well, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe but <laughs> he has a natural talent. It just kind of blows me away, actually. So just an, an eye for yeah. composition yeah. and that kind he, of stuff. It just was in him. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. Well, maybe there's some maybe there's some genes there. I don't know. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Well, so tell me a little bit about going to Highland High School and and your the beginning of that journey for you. Well, I uh, was uh, a wrestler in high school, and uh, I, I lay claim to fame that I was actually the state judo champion uh, when I was 14. Uh, uh, and uh, so I was very much involved with athletics uh, growing up. You look like you could beat me up, so I was. That's why. I, that's what I thought when I saw you at first. Well, I used to wrestle oddly enough at, uh, at one time at uh, one o five, so I've one o five. Yeah, <laughs> I've changed since. Yeah, no way. Okay, and so so you wrestled at Highland. 
I did. So I'm assuming that you did you grow up in in the Knob Hill area or I grew up uh, in the by the base area and um, uh, I went to Van Buren Junior High. Oddly enough, uh, in my junior high class, uh, one of my classmates was uh, Marty Chavis, who became the mayor of Albuquerque. Okay. And even back then, he was very political. You could just see him going around being the politician that he that running for student became. council president or whatever actually he didn't run for that but okay. you could just see uh, something about him gotcha uh, but i also uh, went to high school with brad winter our city councilor for the longest time who, okay. who was athlete of the year at highland uh also went to school with dale decker of decker parish sabatini the big architectural firm in the state okay uh, it was a pretty prominent class. I sat behind uh, William Wang, who was the publisher of the Albuquerque Journal. Okay. So it was a pretty prominent class. It <laughs> sounds like it. sounds yeah. like it. So you were handed... And this... One more person. Oh, tell me. I also went to school with Diane Diamond. I don't know if you've seen her uh, articles. Uh, she's a columnist, a uh, national syndicated columnist, and uh, she actually was an investigative reporter uh and did the work on Michael Jackson. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, no longer lives in Albuquerque. Yeah, I think she lives out east now. I'm not sure okay. where. Okay, no way. Yeah, it was quite a class. I, sounds like a pretty dynamic group of people, so that's great. So you were handed a camera in high school at some point. What was? Well, tell me about that. I, uh, one of my friends uh, was the uh, yearbook and uh, school newspaper photographer, and uh, I said... Uh, I was interested in that, and uh, so one day we both went to uh, Kurt's Camera Corral, and he helped me. Pick Kurt's out a- Camera Corral is that a place? <laughs> yes. Still, is that well, still a place? it was one of the original, if not the original, camera store in Albuquerque. It was on in Knob Hill, as a matter of fact. If that is not the most Albuquerque name I've heard of, I mean that's yeah, wow. Yeah. Kurt's and, Camera and Corral. Oddly enough, uh, hit the. Kurt, who founded the store, photographed my mother uh, when she was uh, younger, and uh, my mother's father's restaurant was right next to Kurt's uh, on Central there. Okay. It's, it's where Escalo is now. Oh, okay. That's where his, uh, it was called the Chinese Village. Yeah, is Scalo still there anymore? Didn't they close? Yes. Did they close? No, they're there. Oh, they're there? Okay. No, I'm, oh, I, you I think you're you're right. I think I screwed up. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, it's that other place, um, a place uh, by um, Montgomery and... Uh, Scarpa's? No, the no. other... Oh, shoot. Well, that's okay. <laughs> you know what? For every, anybody listening right now, go ahead and Google... What is it called? Kurt's Camera Corral? Yes. Okay, see if you can find the Wikipedia entry for that one. <laughs> It's, bug, it's bugging me now. I had a mind blank here. That's okay. We'll have to. We'll come back. We'll okay. edit it into the show okay. notes. Thank That's you. No, no problem. Thank no problem. You. So, so you went there to to buy a camera because yeah, you needed to I be the camera guy. My senior year in high school, and uh, I just loved it. And uh, that summer, I uh, visited my aunt who lived in San Francisco uh, every summer, and. Uh, I walked around and uh, took pictures of the fog. Sometimes I missed, though. You missed the fog? That was a joke. Oh, okay. That was good. That was really good. <laughs> now, I'm going to pick up on these. 
Okay. I had a really good dad joke that you that you told me before we even started recording, so I uh, I'm I'm sad that Albuquerque missed that one. Okay. We'll we'll have to we'll have to pick up on some more of these. Okay. Uh, but uh, that's when I when I came back to Albuquerque, I said I gotta start my own dark room, and and so there was a little side room behind our garage at the house, and uh, I was in there a day and night because I loved. It was like magic to me watching the image just uh, appear magically appear to me. It was magic. That's very special, and that's like not something that a lot of photographers these days maybe even get to experience, right? I'm guessing, yeah, I'm guessing. And so you had to make every shot count because you're paying for this film. That's true, very true. Right, so you can't just rattle off a bunch of pictures and not and like hope today, that, not, right? Right. So was this Pentax Spotmatic? Was that a was that a good camera? It was a good uh, starting camera, yeah, definitely. And again, you know, so many people think the it's the camera. It's not the camera. It's, you know, you can do some amazing things with the iPhone today, right? Like so. like Tiger Tiger Woods could win the Masters with some wooden clubs, probably. I'm guessing, right? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. So, so you went into pre-dental school. Now, why was that? Well, the only reason I did, my uncle was uh, going to the University of New Mexico at the time, and uh, my uncle's only three years older than me. Okay. He was like kind of a brother, actually, an older brother. Uh, but uh, I kind of followed in what he was doing because I really admired him. Uh, he was an athlete at Albuquerque High, and... Uh, my uncle uh, decided he was going to be a dentist, and he got his degree in biology from the University of New Mexico. And so I said, oh, maybe I'll do what he's doing. So okay. that's uh, why I pursued that. And uh, then I took a class in uh, quantitative analysis, and I, none of my measurements ever worked out <laughs> in lab correctly. And I said, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Sure, sure. And uh, at the same time, same time, I was taking a course. It was called Silva Mind Control. Uh, it was uh, just a course at the Western Skies at the time. Uh, I don't know if anybody in the audience might know, remember the name Western Skies. But uh, the reason why I took that class was they said uh, in the advertisements that they would teach you uh, how to uh, be psychic and you could uh, read other people's minds and I said well that's interesting okay sure uh but the, the course was much more than that in that it taught me uh a lot of skills about life it, the first thing it taught me um was that we're prisoners prisoners of the value judgments of other people and don't do things because other people think you should do it you you got to follow your own path and mm -hmm. And, you know, that uh, Shakespeare's quote to thine own self be true really struck a chord with me. And so that um, also taught a technique where you uh, dream and you solve problems. Before you go to bed at night, uh, you think about your problem. You drink a glass of water while you're thinking about it. And uh, hopefully you're going to have a dream that's going to help solve some of those problems. Well, I did that, and I had a dream where I was chasing my brother around in the house with a camera. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And so I decided to tell me to be a photographer. You were like, <laughs> I'm going to be a paparazzi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. Okay. Uh, wow. and, and oddly enough, I, I'd never been east of Texas before. Uh, okay. 
but uh, there was an advertisement in a photography magazine uh, for the Photography Institute of America in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and I'd, I said, maybe I'll go to school there. And this is another crazy, tells you how crazy I am. Uh, this girl was selling magazine subscriptions door to door, and I love, I fell in love with her southern accent. You know, I liked how she talked. And I said, oh, maybe I will go to school in Atlanta. And uh, sure enough, I did. When I decided to go, I uh, told my parents, and they said, well, that's crazy. <laughs> you're going to be a photographer? That's like saying you're going to be a rock star, you know, okay. a musician. You're going to make a living in doing that? Uh, there's a lot, already some photographers here in the city. How are you going to compete with that? I, I said, well, I didn't care. Um, so they didn't support me initially financially or morally. Mm-hmm. And was, uh, was that a cultural thing? It could have been. You know, yeah, Asian families, they want their sons to be doctors, lawyers, engineers, you know. Yeah, I used to teach back east, and I had a, a, a lot of Chinese families <laughs> And, and those kids were on point. I mean, if you didn't get an A or an A-plus average, you're going to hear it from yeah. mom and dad at home. The tiger mom is a real thing. You're right. You're you right. Know, so. Absolutely right. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure my mother went to that extreme, but, you know, you knew when uh, you weren't doing something right, she'd give you that look and give you the fist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, went off, you went off to Atlanta. That was just a couple of years for you, or so, well, yes, yeah, so it was a two-year program. Um, but I supported myself uh, by uh, having the largest paper route in Atlanta, Georgia, and I actually was uh, it was a good job, except for waking up early uh, in the mornings. But uh, it was a good-paying job. You know, I was making for a college kid five hundred dollars a month. Uh, so you hustled. You hustled in Atlanta. That's pretty incredible. I did. Wow. Uh, well, I I knew. I had a strong work ethic because uh, we grew up in my father's restaurant. I, you know, I uh, washed dishes at starting 12, and I bust tables. I waited tables. I uh, cashiered. I did everything except bartend. Okay. And so uh, I understand the value of, of working hard. And, and, you know, growing up in high school, I made some good money uh, just working, doing the the restaurant work. Did you save it? Is that what helped you get to Atlanta? Or uh, well, yeah, I did save money. Yeah. Uh, but uh, whatever I needed, I knew I could make it. That's great. The first job I actually had uh, was uh, hustling uh, cokes and uh, at the state fair rodeo. Really? Yeah, I would sell cokes and buy a tra- tray of cokes and turn around and sell them. Yeah. So you you were like the unpermitted salesperson selling cokes at the state fair. I guess. Uh, See, isn't it's incredible because you meet these people that are amazing entrepreneurs, or you listen to some of these podcasts. I know for one one example is like NPR has a podcast called How I Built This, where they mm-hmm. you know these iconic, you know American entrepreneurs, and they all have these similar stories to what you're telling me. Mm. Is you know it's the lemonade stand story, or I knew that I knew that I could find. You know, some there there was some arbitrage opportunity somewhere growing well, up. Well, the first lesson my mo- mother really taught me was that when I was little, uh, I wanted a bicycle, and uh, 
I just kept on saying, if I wish hard enough, or I keep asking her hard enough, you know, she'll give it to me. Mm-hmm. She never relented. And, and uh, so uh, she said, you're going to have to earn it if you want it. And um, I started washing dishes for her in the house and she'd give me a quarter every time I would wash dishes and so I saved up uh, $20 and I finally bought that bicycle and uh, it was not the prettiest thing but it was mine it was, uh, and, and it felt really good because you earned it it was and and like I said uh, I kept on thinking okay Christmas time my birthday she's going to give it to me my parents are going to give it to me never did what a novel concept, earning something. It was a novel concept. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. how cool is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should do more of that, earning yeah. things these days. Yeah. So I want to know how you got to the point where you're, you are photographing these people, presidents or, you know, well, we know that Jesse Tyler Ferguson's family is from Albuquerque, right? Right. And, but Jay Leno or Sir Richard Branson or Steve Jobs or any of these people, how how do you get in front of these these people? Well, uh, it's just a, a lucky circumstances. Uh, when I was working at my father's restaurant, um, there was a, a waitress there. Her name was Yoko Adams. She was a little Japanese waitress and. Uh, she knew that I had graduated from photography school, and uh, her husband had a lithography workshop. And uh, she asked me, would you like to photograph R.C. Gorman? I don't, I don't know if you know who R.C. Gorman was, but he was a big-name artist uh, back in the day. He's from Taos, and uh, he hobnobbed with Elizabeth Taylor and Andy Warhol, all those people. Okay, And... Uh, so I said, sure. And uh, so I went to the workshop. I took pictures of him. He was so a- animated. He po- he did his own poses, that kind of thing. And uh, uh, the pictures came out great. And uh, so I took portraits of him also. And uh, somehow Tamron Institute, is, a, which is a nation- nationally known uh, lithography workshop out of uh, Albuquerque, originally started in uh, L.A., and they moved to uh, Albuquerque. Uh, So they hired me to be a staff photographer. I would come in every week to take pictures of whatever artist in residence was working there. Okay. And uh, I didn't know who these artists were, uh, but uh, they turned out to be some of the biggest names in art. Um, I don't know if any of the audience knows uh, who Pearlstein is, Fritz Scholder, uh, Louise Nevelson, who's the big-name New York artist, a sculptor, uh, and um, Francois Gillot, who was the mistress of Pablo Picasso. She's the mother of his two children. Uh, she eventually married Jonas Salk, the founder of uh, Salk Vaccines, and... Uh, these big name artists, uh, was, I was photographing them. So that was my first kind of taste of uh, working with famous people. Um, but what was it like? Like how, it was what, fun because uh, you know they just had me go throughout the workshop and photograph these artists while they're working, and okay. uh, I could pretty much do anything I wanted. Um, so. 
after that, uh, I also at the same time, I got a job with the first big name uh, color magazine here in Albuquerque. And it was, uh, it was called Albuquerque Magazine, which is different from the magazine today. Um, but I got initial exposure with uh, the city of Albuquerque. Uh, they got to see my name in print. And that's one of the first things that I uh, suggest to photographers uh, is to get published because your name, you know, is disseminated amongst a lot more people. Uh, and uh, so that initial exposure helped me started acquiring clients. Now you sign your work in, I mean, I, I'm looking, I, here I am in your, I'm in your, one of your rooms here and I'm looking at, it looks like somebody's high school portraits or something mm -hmm. and every, every lower corner has your name on it. And I'm looking over here in the side <laughs> and I'm seeing, you know, a veteran and his, and his son and some fellow that looks like he's an aspiring country singer and a family and, and, every, and your name is on the bottom as if it were signed like an artist would sign with a brush. What, tell me about that. Well, actually, uh, I had a, a Chinese artist. Uh, his name was Omi Xu. Uh, I asked him to sign my name in, in his Chinese calligraphy. He signed a bunch of versions of my name, and uh, he finally got one that I really liked. So this is not your handwriting? No. No, okay, okay. It's a Chinese uh, artist, uh, and he was uh, a very good artist, uh, and he did it for no charge. I, I just asked him to do it, and he, he did it for me for free, and so I've used it ever since. Did somebody tell you to sign all of your art? Did you learn to do that? Did somebody give that uh, well, advice? Well, I to you? instinctively uh, always knew the the power of branding and and having your name uh, attached. You know, uh, my wife uh, would do. She does art also, but uh, she wouldn't sign her work. And I'm saying that adds value to your work. Mm -hmm. If you think about the art that becomes valuable, it's signed because. It puts value when you know who the artist is. Sure. If, if it's unknown, she she has a, uh, some artwork from uh, some Peruvian artist, and there's no signature on the, the work. And I'm saying it does the value is diminished without the name. Sure. You need to have a name attached. So I've always kind of known the value of that. Yeah. So that was never advice that somebody gave you. You just decided that was what you needed to do. Yeah, I, there was something instinctive. Uh, back when I was in uh, Boy Scouts, um, I was uh, 11 or 12, and um, I went out for the uh, choir, the Boy Scout choir. There was a Boy Scout choir? Well, they were, they were going to do uh, the 50th anniversary of the Boy Scouts. Okay. And they were doing a performance in the big performing arts space at the time civic auditorium and so i went out for that choir and there's something in my inner voice that said open your mouth a little wider and you'll get noticed my voice was not good at the it's not that good uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> but i would open my mouth a little wider and eventually uh, the director of the choir i guess took notice and 
he asked me uh, to sing a solo of God Bless America in front of the Civic Auditorium. And that, so that was kind of my first uh, taste of uh, so-called fame. Uh, <laughs> the Boy Scout. Okay, so if Albuquerque doesn't know this, I used to be a choir director in public school. So I, this is funny to me because I'm thinking Boy Scout choir. Like I, I used to be a Boy Scout too, only a tenderfoot because I didn't want to poop in the woods. And uh, I, I was a choir director. So I'm thinking like, what are the two best ways for a child to get bullied? Is make them a Boy Scout and make them sing in the <laughs> choir and call it a Boy Scout choir? I just that to me is a hoot. That's really funny. That's well, really funny. Well, oddly enough, uh, we have uh, the Piedmont Scout Ranch, which is nationally known uh, in New Mexico. Uh, I attended that camp, uh, and uh, I kind of did this because the Boy Scouts we would do sing-alongs, you know, and things like that. Uh, and uh, I would do the same technique. I opened my mouth a little wider. And I, I, I guess I showed it real enthusiasm. It's effort. Yeah, we see. Enthusiasm. I'm talking to a former choir director. I'm looking at you, and if I see that here's a kid who's trying, <laughs> that kid's getting the solo. I'll give a kid. I'll give the kid the solo because he's trying over the kid who's more talented that thinks he's entitled or she's entitled to the solo. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's that's. I appreciate that. Oddly enough, though, I gave the same advice to my son when he was. Uh, trying out i guess he was tried out for choir too uh and he would kind of do the same thing but the teacher said don't do that <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah maybe the uh the, the research behind it has changed you yeah, know since maybe. then so but that's pretty that's that's funny it, it was a, it was a interesting thing something intuitively said just be different when was the last time you told that story I don't remember ever telling it. Really. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. That's yeah. great. But, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Sure. That's, that's really great. So you went and gave a, a talk in, you said, Avon, Colorado, right? And so what were the things you, you touched on in that, in that talk? Was it, I'm assuming well, branding got in there somehow, right? What? Like the branding oh, side of it got in there well, a little no, bit too, right? Well, but the talk, the, the head of the group... Uh, he his name's Bradford Rowley. He's an internationally known photographer, um, and he put together this very prestigious group from photographers all over the world. Uh, it's probably considered one of the most prestigious groups to belong to. Uh, but uh, he asked me to speak um, because he had seen that I had photographed a lot of celebrities, and okay. so basically that was the direction of the talk was. How did you get to photograph all these celebrities? So we're all dying to know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, as I was researching my talk, I, I said, it's, it's really word of mouth. It starts one person telling another person. And, but started me on my journey uh, to photograph politicians was uh, we had a governor, a very popular governor uh, named Bruce King. And he was a Democrat, and uh, when I photographed him, we had uh, three s stories in our studio at the time. We had a basement, uh, the studio level, and the upper production level. Anyway, uh, while I was taking a break between changing film, uh, Governor King took it upon himself to go down to the basement, shake hands with every person that worked there, uh, and he took 
upon himself to go upstairs and shake hands with every person there. He he was just a good old boy that people loved because he was very people person, mm-hmm. uh, people focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he had kind of hunched shoulders. He's a little heavier set. And uh, he was a cowboy from Stanley, New Mexico. And um, I made him look pretty good. And so he would uh, disseminate these pictures that I took. And uh, as a politician, you know, how they sign pictures and things like that. Anyway. And your uh, picture, in that picture was signed by you, too. I'm not sure if it was. You're not sure yet? It probably was. Probably was. You think so? Okay. Probably was. But... uh, that led to me photographing a bunch of other politicians. Uh, and then the other politician I photographed was um, Pete, Senator Pete Domenici. And um, he, he somehow uh, had a lot of influence in the Republican Party. And so one day I got a call from Barbara Bush's office in Washington, D.C. Uh, at the, the White House. And they said, would you like to photograph Mrs. Bush? And I said, of course. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so uh, I got to photograph her. uh, uh, But that kind of led to quite a few politicians. Um, And so that started that whole political cycle. So I've uh, I've gotten to photograph uh, five presidents so far, um, and the reason I got to photograph um, Sir Richard Branson was because uh, the governor's chief communication, Governor Richardson's office, uh, they asked, uh, you know, if I could photograph uh, Sir Richard Branson, and I said, of course. Uh, I went up to Santa Fe and got to photograph him. Uh, and uh, talking about other famous people, uh, Steve Jobs, uh, that just came about because I, Steve Jobs was a hero of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reinvented five industries. He was our just generation's uh, Thomas Edison, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I asked permission to photograph him, and uh, they said yes. And, so who do you ask? Uh, well, it was just the people at the conference, the Macworld. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, they say yes. And so uh, that was just more my initiative. So you were a bit of a squeaky wheel. Yes. Yeah. I, I just wanted to do it. Well, one of the things I think, you know, uh, you probably know what the most powerful word in the English language is. What, what's your guess? The most powerful word is this a dad joke or is this a no, real? Oh, okay, not, okay, okay. The most powerful word in, in the, the English, English language. language. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. Thanks. Well, it could be maybe. Uh, is ask. Ask. That was. You know what? I should have gone with my first because I was going. I was going down that road. My my first my first gut instinct was ask, but that one sounded too easy. Well, okay, that's what it was. Uh, and so. Uh, if I wanted something, you know, that's the great thing about photography is it's kind of a passport to places uh, you don't have access to and, and people that you want to meet. And uh, if you just ask them, you know, one of the most famous uh, photographers, my uh, idol, 
uh, was Richard Avedon out of New York City. And um, I got to meet him. And it turns out that he, that there's a famous picture that he took of Charlie Chaplin. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you've probably all seen it. I think I know well, what you're talking a, about. It's a picture where Charlie Chaplin told Richard Avedon, I'm going to give you a gift. And he put his two fingers up by his head to make him look like horns. And and he took a picture where he looked like the devil. And in fact, uh, Chaplin was, uh, had to leave the country because he was accused of being a communist at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, but... Uh, was, was he out of his yeah, makeup and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and... Uh, just before he left this country, uh, Avedon photographed him. The only reason Avedon photographed him was because Avedon would write letters to these famous people that he wanted to photograph. And uh, they would respond and say, yeah, you know. Uh, that's and what's a, the worst case scenario? They say no. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, when I met Avedon, he uh, was also had this famous picture of uh, John Lennon. Uh, and the Beatles, uh, but this one picture in particular is a black and white portrait of uh, John Lennon. And uh, when I met Avedon, he said, ask me anything you want. I said, okay. What were your thoughts when you photographed John Lennon? He said, I didn't have time to have any thoughts because I only had five minutes with him. And it was this iconic picture. Uh, I'm sure you would recognize it if you saw it. Uh, but... Uh, so that was the other important lesson. It doesn't take a lot of time because Annie Leibovitz spends days with her clients and subjects, uh, but it only takes a minute to take a picture. Uh, and, and it could be iconic. It could be, you know, uh, earth-changing. Uh, so that's a couple of important lessons I learned from him. Wow. Richard Avedon. Yeah. And the other important lesson I learned from him was simplicity. Richard Avedon, who I consider the best, um, used three back, maybe uh, three of the most backgrounds. He used white, gray, and black. That was his background because it forced you to focus on the subject. You weren't worried about all the peripherals. Uh, and so he would focus on the expression and the eyes because the eyes say it all. I noticed that about your, your work is that you tend, to, it looks to me, and from what I've seen, that you tend to to do portraits, portraiture in a very neutral sort of background, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I am, I am noticing that, you know, I'm not sure if this is a more contemporary thing or, or whatever, to have more of that blurred sort of outdoor setting behind. Well, I, 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 li I like to do both uh, because it kind of, uh, particularly with high school seniors, uh, just because they like the variety. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, my most powerful portraits are very simplistic. Uh, there's a portrait I did of my daughter's on the hallway. Uh, it's just a gray background, and it's me and her. You mm -hmm. know, that's it. Uh, uh, so, it for, so it forces you to, to really look into the eyes of the person. Exactly. Because yeah, okay. that's uh, really uh, the, the windows to the soul. Right, it's cliche as that really is. That's true. It's, it's, it's the truth. Right, it's true. It's the truth. So what are you, what are you most excited about right now at this very oh, moment? Good question. Just creating uh, work that I'm proud of. I, I just, my son and I, when we, uh, on our way back to Albuquerque, we 
took pictures of the great sand dunes in uh, near Alamosa, Colorado. And so that's the other thing I learned from Richard Avedon is that he had a saying, let's create a masterpiece today, you know? Uh, you have an opportunity. There are days sometimes when, you know, you don't necessarily want to go to work and, and take pictures all day, and but I would give myself a pep talk, and I would say, you have an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life today. You have a difference to create a masterpiece. Uh, so get excited. You know, there are times when, you know, you don't have energy in life, but when you think back on your life, the moments like when you had something to anticipate, like when we were going to Disneyland, I couldn't sleep, you know, because uh, I had something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Uh, that day and uh, same with Christmas and and that's same with an opportunity to photograph everybody I think the other important aspect of our portrait work is that I learned uh, a while back that um, people want to be made important in their minds whether they're photographing the president uh, or just the mother of a child in their head, they're the most important person in the world. So everybody feels like they're the most important person in the mm -hmm. world. And in fact, Mary Kay from Mary Kay Cosmetics used to have a sign that she would imagine people wearing when they walked under uh, into her door that said, make me feel important. Mm. And I think that was kind of the essence of you know why we exist, why we do our photography, is to make people feel important. I think the other important uh, need in people, we all have a need to always look good. Who doesn't have that need? Sure. And so for, first and foremost in my head, I gotta be thinking about how am I gonna make this person look good? And uh, if you look at a, any group family picture, uh, it could be 100 heads in there, where does your eye go to? You. You're looking for yourself right, first. You want to see, am I the guy that blinked? You know? <laughs> yeah, but you want to make sure you look good. Right, exactly. And, and so I, I was told our photographers growing up that uh, you got to make mom look good first, though. Oh, right. Right. Because if she don't like the picture, forget it. That checkbook ain't coming out. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. So are, are you a reader? I have been. Uh, I'm not reading as much lately. Yeah. Is there, is there a book that you would point our audience towards? There's a book uh, back in I was in Silver Mind Control. It was called Beyond Success and Failure, and that was the one where I got that uh, blurb about uh, not being a prisoner to the value judgments of other people. That was a profound book for me because I would have never become a photographer uh, because I always thought you got to follow in the footsteps of other people, uh, like in your family, and you know go the route of uh don't don't should yourself right yeah yeah, yeah. uh so that was that was a, <clears throat> it was written by two psychologists uh and uh it was very profound for me at the time um the other book that i have i found profound and a lot of comedians made fun of her uh marianne williamson who was running for president okay uh her message in the book uh she learned from A Course in Miracles was that the only thing that's real is love. And I think that's such a profound thought uh, 
that ego is the thing that gets us in trouble mm -hmm. and causes fear and division. And if we understand that in the end, we're, we're always loved and we don't have to feel separated, we should all feel connected, uh, then everything's going to be okay. Uh, so that was a profound book for me, Marianne Williamson, A Return to Love. A Return to Love. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, Al Albuquerque, we're going to put that in the show notes for today's episode. So if you go to abqcast.com, uh, when you look up, just type in Kim Ju uh, in the search bar, and you will find you will find the show notes. We'll, we'll link to those books. Uh, so you have the ability to go buy them if you if you want. Um, this is this has been this has been great. Is there anything anything any shameless plugs you'd like to give for being a guest on our show? I mean, where can we find where can we find you? Where can we find well, your studios? Just uh, if you want to find out uh, more about us, uh, www.kimju.com or or on our Facebook page, Kimju Portrait Art. Uh, but uh, you were asking about. What I'm excited about these days is creating art. And what I was alluding to was I took some pictures of the great sand dunes and I was really excited about it. My son made me trudge up the mountain to get the picture and it was mm -hmm. a lot of work. Sure. But uh, thank goodness he inspired me to do that <laughs> because I got some great. It was work. worth it. Yeah, it, it was, was worth, worth it. it. Taking pictures. So that's, that's such a great uh, metaphor. You know, I had to trudge up the mountain to do it. But when I but when I did it, it was worth it. You got it. You know, that's a we're going to have to work that into like a quote and then you can sign that quote, you know, and we can share that for generations on Instagram or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. That's great. So so www.kimju.com. Yeah. Okay. And we can find you on Eubank. Yeah. What am I, by Constitution? Where am I here? Yeah, just south of Indian School Road. That's great. Well, Kim, I, I thank you so much for, for sharing all this with me. It's so cool to hear these stories. And, well, I uh, appreciate your questions, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, Albuquerque, thanks for, thanks for tuning in this time. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right, Albuquerque, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Review on iTunes as well. I will read all of those reviews. I don't miss anyone. And listen every week to ABQCast. If you head on over to abqcast.com, you will see a link for our group, ABQ Insiders. Join us there on Facebook or just search us up on Facebook, ABQ Insiders, and you can be one of the inner circle. So hope you enjoyed today, and we look forward to touching base with you next week. Thanks so much.